Blog Talk Radio. the country and around the world streaming live on the internet it's real estate coaching radio bringing you the latest news interviews and secrets of the top producers hosted by award-winning real estate coaches tim and julie harris and welcome back everyone we are your host tim and julie harris julie welcome to today's radio show thank you so much it's always my pleasure to be on so we need to apologize. Why? Because I thought Julie and I already did a radio show on the material we're presenting you today. And it turns out we hadn't, and I thought we had, so we're going to make it up to you today. The topic of today's radio show is how to make the mundane, boring, oh my God, I can't believe I have to waste my time doing this mindset about open houses into what it truly is a cash-generating, neighbor-listing-generating, uh, opportunity-creating, you know, ATM. You guys get the idea. So what we're going to do is we're going to change your mindset, and we're going to give you specific techniques to make money from open houses. And some of these things, guys, you have not heard of before. Julie's got a lot of notes that she sent to me that we're going to be sharing with you the highlights of these notes. Real estate, our, uh, you know, our coaching clients, obviously the, the long form of this, the outline for today's call is on the Real Estate Coaching Essentials website. So make sure you go and you can download the samples of what we're going to be talking about, the marketing ideas we're going to be sharing with you. But before we get to that, uh, get to that Julie and I have both been on uh, coaching calls all day. Some of them have been with our own personal clients. A few of them have been free coaching calls, all that good stuff. Julie, from your conversations with all these guys around the country, we have coaching clients in Alaska, we have coaching clients I mean, Canada, all over the United States, every, a couple in Europe. What are you learning? Anything interesting, trends you're seeing, feedback you're getting? Well, they're kind of wearing me out, quite frankly, because they're all so busy with doing so much volume. Most of our clients are, you know, we're about halfway through the year, and they have met or exceeded their halfway through the year goals. The interesting thing is, in terms of, you know, money made, volume, listings taken, listing inventory, all of those very important vital statistics, they're meeting or exceeding those. But the interesting thing is the work that it took to get them there is also, for the most part, keeping them in momentum. You know, they still have lots of listings coming on the market, stuff they've been working on. Keeping themselves in momentum is, for some of them, it seems like a blessing and a curse at the same time because they're so wildly ecstatic for being so extremely on track. I mean, that's a pretty happy day when you realize that you're halfway through the year and you're, you're where you should be or better. So the challenge is keeping the burners on, keeping flying at altitude instead of you know going back and taxiing the runway. Yes, celebrating the victories, but not falling into complacency because what has been a great half of the year if you don't keep that momentum going, it just becomes an okay year, and maybe you even slide past you know, falling far behind, which can affect next year. So the key is to stay in momentum, celebrate your victories, take some vacation time to recharge, and then get right back in the saddle and do it all over again for the next six months. So that's what I'm seeing, which makes me just really so happy and proud of them, but also as a coach, keep keeping them on the radar that they don't lose their mojo for the rest of the year. I agree. And you know, the interesting thing about the second half of the year, it's like 
you got wind at your back still, provided you are doing what you should have been doing the first half, or at least if you haven't been, you're mindful of it and you're now taking the right actions. But at the same time, we've got a lot of forward-facing winds too, don't we? So we have the holidays, we have the you know all the usual things that cause the real estate markets to slow down, depending on where you're in the country. It could be the weather. But here's the other thing: things that you guys don't take into consideration. Why the second half of the year is absolutely positively easier to make money in versus the versus the first half. Yes, I know you got the holidays. Yes, I know you've got the weather and all the other types of oh but you know all the other excuses that people use we'll just wait until mm-hmm. the, you know next spring or we'll hold our house off the market till the holidays all the usual things that buyers and sell, sellers say to you but the reason the second half is generally easier to make money than in the first half here's just a few reasons off the top of my head and I'm sure Jules will think of a few as well the number one reason is because most of the part-time agents and that's a bulk of the agents mm-hmm. that are licensed I mean there's roughly a million agents licensed and the, you know the working theory is that 750 to 850,000 of those guys are really could, what could be best described as part time. They do a handful of transactions each year. They'll get them in contract, you know, maybe close them by the end of July, and then they just start to disappear. And that's okay. They don't want to be full time agents. They're part time agents. But for the ones that are listening to this radio show, the 350,000 of you roughly that are really actively involved in real estate, it's your primary focus is what your career is, it's what you do for a living. All those part-timers, the guys that picked off the low-hanging fruit in your marketplace, they're out of the business. So that's one of the main reasons why the second half will be easier than the first half. And I'm going to give you another one. Expired listings, remember your coach told you this, the second half of this year are going to be through the roof, especially into fourth quarter. All the sellers that mispriced, overpriced, all the part-time agents that didn't know how to really you know, position the seller for the market as it was evolving into what's going to be towards the end of the year, it's going to feel more like a balanced market opposed to such a strong seller's market. Well, all those listings are going to exp- uh, start expiring, and you're going to have an easier time going after them because all the part-time agents are going to be out of, this, out of the industry again. The first sale by owners. Some of you guys are inundated with for sale by owners. And guess what? The for sale by owners, they're giving up too. They're going to start listing as well. Any other reasons you can think of why the second half is better than the first half, Jules? Well, they're riding on some of the momentum they've had. At the beginning of the year, it's a little bit of a question. How's this year going to go? What's the market going to bring me? Lots of questions going on. And sometimes when people have a question in their mind, it causes them to take less action. But by the time we're at this point in the year, you guys should have a ton of lead generation going on, lots of lead follow-up to go after, all the people saying, you know, in the spring I'm going to wait for the summer so I can have the house on the market while the kids are out of school. All of that should be coming to fruition right now. So I think the momentum in the middle of the year generally is fueled by, if you've been doing your job, you know, for the most part, you should have plenty of stuff working. And if not, it's time to recalibrate, declare it to be January 1st all over again. You choose the beginning of your year and get to work. Either one is fine. We need to do another survey of all of our coaching students But I know the last time we did a survey, our average coaching student was making somewhere, you know, our average personal coaching student was making right around $250,000 to $300,000 and was selling an average, what was it, 47 houses per year. Mm -hmm. We need to do another one of those surveys. But I Mm -hmm. bet you that the numbers of our personal coaching students have gone up by at least 50%. And that that 50%, guys, of increased volume that these guys are doing, that a lot of you are experiencing – it's not coming from uh, more transactions. There's the same, actually fewer houses are being predicted to sell this year than last year overall. 
When you see a top producer increasing their business in a marketplace where there's not an increase in overall sales velocity, those sales are coming from the weaker agents. So what's happening is the weaker agents are getting weaker and the stronger agents are getting stronger. That trend will continue big time for the rest of the year. And wait until you see what 2015 is going to be like. Because the agents that were paying attention, the agents that were getting their acts together in terms of learning how to lead generate themselves opposed to buying leads, the agents that are focused on profit that are not building their businesses on sort of this mythical team idea, those agents are going to be the ones that going forward are going to dominate the marketplaces, make profitable businesses, and obviously make themselves rich, which is the point, after all, of being your own boss, being in business for yourself, and taking all the risks that's associated with it. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we are going. Julie, what's the title of today's radio show? The title of today's. Well, I'm not sure what the official title is, but we're making well, money by doing open houses the right way. Um, okay, I think we have a, a snappier title than that, but that's the gist probably. of it. So, yeah, probably. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. Perfect. And when we come back, get ready to take lots of notes because Jules spent a lot of time on this. And again, existing coaching students, very, very detailed plan for how to make money doing open houses is on Real Estate Coaching Essentials, so make sure you download it. Quick commercial break, and we'll talk with you in a sec. Tim, could you make that work? Is coaching right for you? And how can I guarantee it will work for me? Chances are you are asking yourself those questions right now. I'll answer those critical questions for you in just a moment. But first, let's be honest about something you may have always suspected. You've probably always known that the nation's top 1% of realtors, you know, those millionaire agents you see on TV, they possess a secret knowledge that the other 99% of agents do not have. Where did they learn what they know? And more importantly, how did they learn how to put this closely guarded information into money-making action? It's simple. They have a coach. Not just any coach. The nation's mega millions, top 1% of the realtors know that in order to maintain their almost unfair advantage, that they must have their own personal coach, a proven market-tested coach who has truly walked in their shoes, a coach who has worked with many of the nation's leading agents. At this point, you're probably ready to maybe try coaching. However, you don't want to be unfairly locked into a long-term ball and chain that coaching contracts can give you. It just makes sense that you should be able to try it before you buy it. Even more importantly, you want to have a coach who is the best of the best not someone who is simply assigned to you, or even worse, has never sold real estate. Can you imagine? If this is you, I have something for you right now that is exactly what you have been looking for. For the next 48 hours, Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching is offering you a free coaching call. This is a real coaching call with a real Tim and Julie Harris coach. Now, while you are thinking about it, why don't you visit us online? at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Once again, that is freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Now, let's be clear. This exclusive coaching opportunity is only available for the first 50 realtors who are stone-cold serious about their real estate business 
and know that in order to succeed at the highest level, they must hire a coach. So don't wait any longer. Take action now and visit us again at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Thanks so much. See you all soon. Okay, we are back. Julie, are you ready? I am indeed. Okay, jump in. Okay, and this might take two or three radio shows. We'll see how quickly we can get through this. So, you know, open houses are oftentimes bashed, underrated, uh, criticized. I know I've heard on, especially on free coaching calls, because it certainly wouldn't cross the lips of any of our private clients, uh, (laughs) agents that say, well, I turned down a listing because they wanted open houses, and I won't do them. You know, like that's what kind of crazy talk is that? You lost a listing because you refused to do open houses, really? So why is that? It's probably because you've done them, you've tried them, you've dabbled with them, and you didn't get results, so now you've decided they're a waste of time. You just didn't do them the right way. That's all there is to it. Right. So here's a thought for you next time you come across, and this is going to happen a lot with expired sellers, they're, they're going to ask you about open houses. You guys have had this experience before where the seller just sort of randomly asks you, well, do you do open houses? Opposed to giving them an answer, yes or no, ask them what they think of open houses. Exactly. Because I'll give, you, I'll give you a little clue here. If a seller asks you what you think of open houses, they're asking you what you think of open houses because if you say they suck, you're not going to get the listing. <laughs> they're testing mm-hmm. you. They wouldn't ask you what you think of open houses if you didn't, uh, if they didn't already have the opinion that they want to do them most most times. But the flip side to it is, is they might ask you what you think of open houses because of the fact that they don't want to do them, and the agent you're competing against was just basically hammering on that seller, saying open houses are the greatest thing since sliced bread, and the seller doesn't want to have to displace themselves every Sunday until the cows come home. So. When you get the question about open houses, opposed to you just inflicting your opinion on them and saying you do or you don't, turn the question around and say, Mr. Seller, that's a great question. What's your opinion of open houses? And listen to what they say. Then you can um, pivot your answer based on what's appropriate for your client. That's right. So if they say, well, you know what? It's funny you should ask about open houses. We bought this house as an open house. Where you were about to say open houses suck and they, you know, don't produce any leads and they're the worst thing forever and the creation of the double. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So you've just basically talked yourself back into a listing whereas before your initial reaction would have been negative. But we do suggest that you do do open houses, uh, especially if you're wanting to continue the momentum for the rest of the year or if you're trying to build momentum to have the second half of your year be the better part of your year. So open houses are a fantastic way to generate leads, buyer leads, but also listing leads. So pay attention, take notes. Point number one, Julie. Okay, so top five reasons if we have not yet convinced you why you want to learn to monetize your open houses and do them the right way. Top five reasons. Number one, yes, serious buyers do go to open houses. In fact, one in five are going to open houses this weekend so they can make a decision either on what they want to do, when they want to do it, or even what house they're ready to buy. So be me, the Julie, agent let me just jump to write in here. the contract. Go ahead. Let me jump in here, just because you're just, you're, what you just said actually got me to think of a free coaching call I did recently. Sure. When you guys, you guys get addicted to the idea that you can pick off all these leads from the Internet, and you can. You can grab tons of leads from the Internet. But the fact is that statistically those buyers are in the very beginning stages of the buying process. 
So the process works something like this. Think about when you're buying something. Let's say you had to buy a new blender today. You're not just going to probably run over to Best Buy. You might, well, maybe it's a car, let's say, something that's more substantial. Best Buy, you know, doesn't sell anything substantial anymore. But let's say you're going to buy a new car. Chances are you're going to go to Consumer Reports. You're going to do your research on the Internet. You're going to do the sort of, you know, research that requires you not coming in contact with a salesperson. And it's when you've decided that you're going to buy a new Mercedes or new Honda or whatever it is that you want to buy. Then you show up at the dealer's location knowing maybe that you want to look at this kind of model or that kind of model. You've done your homework. So by the time people show up at uh, driving neighborhoods going to open houses, you're going to have some lucky lose for sure. But for the most part, you're going to have the serious buyers that have already decided that they want to live not just in that city, not just in that town, but probably in that neighborhood. And the other types of folks you're going to get during the open houses are going to be neighbors that are thinking about selling, neighbors who are thinking about you know, putting their houses on the market sometime in the future. Very rarely, and this is the psycho psychological thing you guys have to get yourselves over, very rarely is someone who has no interest in buying or selling a house going to stop and go to an open house. So if someone is taking their time on the weekend to tramp through an open house, I promise you that they are serious buyers or sellers. You just have to make it so that they are serious about buying or selling with you. So clear your mindset about open houses and realize that it's a huge opportunity for you to make money. So, I mean, you have obviously it's a great place to meet those soon-to-be listed neighbors. It's a great place for you to build future business through maximizing contacts. This is direct contacting directly, hello, Mr. Seller, hello, Mr. Potential Buyer. And we also know statistically that people will work with the first salesperson that they meet. They'll work with the first realtor that they meet. So if you start doing open houses and you do them on a regular basis and you follow the rest of our rules, you are going to really have huge momentum fast provided you're you know, following the rules. So, Julie, let's continue on. Okay, perfect. So number two, it's a great place to meet the, uh, I should say, nosy soon-to-list neighbors, which we just talked about. Why do they, you know, everybody says, oh, it's just the nosy neighbors that show up. Well, why would they be doing that? Because they're checking what you get for the price, checking out the neighbor's house, creating a comp in their mind. Point number three, build your future business through making maximum contacts in minimum time. So here's a place where you have your contacts, because some of you guys you know, recognize the fact that real estate is a contact sport. You must make contacts to do transactions. So here's a place where you actually, if you're doing the things that we're about to show you how to get people to actually show up to your open house, you know, especially low inventory markets, Tim, I've had clients where they've had 50 to 100 people in their open house before. Yeah. It's crazy. So how else are you going to make so many contacts in so little time? It's great. So point number four, the seller whose uh, home you're holding open will love you when you do your open house the right way. So instead of fighting with sellers when you're going to get around to do the open house, and by the way, if they're attached to open houses, as we discussed, that is a losing conversation. You need to embrace it and monetize it instead of continuously butting heads with the seller because you don't feel like doing it. So the sellers love it. Number five, open houses force you to actually be in front of people and polish your skills. More contact equals more contracts. So open house math, Tim, because some people are, are thinking, you know, well, how much can I really make from doing an open house? Well, let's do some simple math here. So let's just say that you are following the rules that we use with our coaching clients and that you hold open houses every weekend as a rule until you have a minimum of three AAA buyers at all times. 
Once you put one of them in contract, you replace them with another AAA buyer, so you're never without three AAA buyers. That's the beginning of our math rules. So let's just say, come to terms with that, open house until you have your three buyers. Okay. Well, point number two, when you are working with at least three AAA buyers at all times, for sure two of them will close per month, assuming you're doing a great job for them. Number three, two deals per month. Let's figure it out right now. You're working with three buyers all the time. You get at least two of them in contract every month. Two deals times your average net commission to you is blank. What is it? Let's just say your average is $5,000 per deal. That's $10,000 per month just from getting good at open houses. That's $120,000 a year getting good at this. Let's say your numbers are half of that, and it's only $60,000 a year because you figured out how to monetize open houses. Pretty rocking. So what could you use that for? Some of you, we're going to add this on as a spoke. Others of you, it's a springboard to bigger and better things. What could you use 60 to 120 grand for? You can use the added income to pay off debt, buy a rental, pay for an assistant. Some of you guys have to upgrade your car. So, you know, sit with that math just for a second when you go around saying, oh, I don't do open houses. That's like saying, Julie, oh, the point, I'm going to ignore my 120 grand them, potential. What you're that? asking them to do is, what you're asking them to do is consistent effort, and consistent effort will get consistent results. Right. But the open house prospecting rules, which we're, I don't think we're going to be able to get to today. We'll have to get to those next week. That's mm-hmm. going to give you the specific suggestions on what you can do to maximize your open house. Now, some of you are going to be geeked up to do open houses, and Julie, make sure you get to point four. But some of you guys are going to be geeked up to do open houses starting this weekend, and that's fantastic. So I'm just going to give you the broad strokes, and then Julie and I will get to the very detailed stuff next week. Number one, Choose an open house that's going to be in a public, easily accessible location. Um, That's not going to be a condo that's in a building that you have to go through five security gates and have to wait there and put in a special code. Don't be surprised if you do one of these gated community open houses that you don't get anybody through except maybe the immediate neighbors. It's too much hassle. People won't do it. Condos in general. Condos in general are not good to hold open unless you're in an area where all there are condos and, well, that you don't have any choices. The next thing is don't hold a house open that's not going to have the broadest appeal. So if you're going to hold a house open, and in most of America right now, make sure it's in the price range that the most people can afford. Furthermore, choose the, you know, in a community where everybody wants to live. In every area, and I don't care if your market's like super on fire or slower than snot, in every single market across the country, there is a community. I remember when Julie and I were selling real estate in Columbus, Ohio. There were pockets of really ridiculously hot housing in different price ranges. German Village, I don't know if it's still hot, but it was great. The Arena District was great. You know, These are downtown areas. Clintonville, certain parts of Clintonville, certain parts of this area called Rosemary, which is part of Clintonville. There were certain parts of Worthington, but not all of Worthington, not all of Clintonville, not all of Rosemary. Certain streets, certain you guys know what I'm talking about, and if you don't, you need to go into your MLS and you need to really learn your market. You need to start actually becoming an expert opposed to just claiming to be one. You know, the, no matter what is happening in any housing market, even if things got super slow again, which they won't, but even if they did get super slow again, even in the height of the housing bust, when everyone's basically saying we're all going to start living in caves again, even when it was that bad, there were still pockets of your housing market that were on fire. You know it's true. Hold your houses, hold the open houses there. Hold the open house ideally in a, in a neighborhood 
that the house itself is going to be towards the front, but not on a busy road. Any objectionable reasons for people not to stop, they won't. So you get the idea here, guys? Another tip, ease of parking. Don't make it so that you have to, you know, basically they have to park 10 miles away and walk. Now, again, some of you are going to be in areas where you're not going to have a choice. That's just the nature of your housing market, and that's expected. But if you do have a choice, you want to make it so that people can literally park in front, walk, and then walk in the house. Make it easy and painless as possible for everyone. Um, but, Tim, I don't have a listing that meets all those criteria. My listing isn't in a neighborhood like that. What am I supposed to do? Exactly. Borrow an open house from another agent. And some of you in your markets, you can actually borrow an open house or borrow a listing of another agent of another brokerage to hold open. So there is no excuse not to do this. That's the bottom line. And for the most part, listing agents are going to be thrilled that you're offering to hold the listing open because in the seller's mind, it's seen as, and it is the use of someone's time. And you are doing that seller a favor by giving their house more exposure to the market. So the reality of it is is that there's very few listing agents, whether it be at your brokerage or another one, that are going to object to you holding a listing open. And if they do, shame on them. Yeah, if they do, shame on them because they're servicing themselves and not the sellers. No, you shouldn't pay a referral fee or a commission of any sort to the leads that you get from the open house. No, you shouldn't be paying to do an open house. No, I mean, there's all kinds of little schemes that I know that you guys have gotten yourselves involved in. Open houses are the very fundamental, is very fundamental necessity for every one of your, in, uh, your businesses. Now, some of you are very successful. You've become, we have coaching clients that are multimillionaires. You guys should even still consider doing open houses, but have more fun with it. So if you're on the upper echelon of the real estate industry, I'm thinking all of you guys in Manhattan and our coaching clients in Bel Air and Beverly Hills, you could do like an invitation-only open house, invite all the immediate neighbors and have a special evening set aside. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money on this. It can be something simple. But think out of the box. The point is we know statistically that most people, like 95% of everyone, will work with the first realtor that they meet. The first realtor that they meet, not the most skilled realtor, not the most talented realtor, not the prettiest realtor, not the anything realtor, just the first person that they meet that has a real estate license. Those are the people that you know you want to go for. You want to go for all those folks that are seriously considering buying or selling, that are going through open houses. Don't just sit there on your computer in the kitchen. So when they walk in, you say, hello, and you're like, where the hell did that, is that agent's voice coming from? <laughs> All the time yeah. when we go to open houses. I know. Why do I hear a football people. game when I walk in the house? Really? What the heck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't be sitting on your uh, on the deck if you're in Southern California looking at the ocean, having a glass of wine, talking on your cell phone, With doing your an open house. With on. Exactly. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> We've seen all this before. Take it yeah. seriously. Realize that this is an opportunity for you to have high-impact contact with prospective buyers and sellers. So, Julie, I've got to get to another coaching call, and I know you do as well. Mm -hmm. Next week, we're going to be talking about the specific prospecting rules and techniques for actually harvesting lots of high-quality leads out of your open house. In the meantime, guys, if you need us for anything, what are you supposed to do? Go to freecoachingcallsforagents, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Priority is obviously given to those of you who are ready to become coaching students and those of you who already are coaching students. Have a fantastic rest of your day. 
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.